Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. There we go. Second half of our back-to-back episodes on this lovely Wednesday morning. Good day to you all. This is Fantasy NBA Today, a sports ethos presentation, and I am your host, Dan Vespris. Please make sure to like, subscribe, Rate, review, all that good stuff, everything as you get going. I got to remember to say that earlier in the episode. A couple of shows lately I've been squeezing that in at the very end when nobody's listening anyway. But please do it at the beginning. Makes a big difference. Really, every little thing you do makes a big difference. Some point, way down the line, when we're a massive powerhouse of epic proportions, I won't have to ask you guys to do this with such earnestness in my voice, uh, but today I do. So please like, rate, subscribe, and please do find me over on social at Dan Vesper so we can continue our discussion of all things fantasy basketball. Today is Wednesday. The NBA Cup is done, so we now actually know uh, who's in and who's out. Um, I had a thought before we get into the breaking down all the fantasy stuff. As the games were ending last night, and you know me, I'm, I'm a, what I call a pragmatic Laker fan, meaning I don't typically get a lot of their players on my fantasy teams, or at least I hadn't for a while. They got a few better ones this year. Uh, but in terms of the actual play, the, the interesting little footnote on all of this is that, you know, a team like the Lakers, I think they already had four games scheduled this year with the Phoenix Suns. Well, now they got five. Um... Because the Lakers will have the Suns on Tuesday in the in-season tournament quarterfinals. That'll be in Los Angeles, so it's a bonus home game. And so there's this weird trade-off. And I got into a discussion with folks on Twitter because it is a little bit confusing in terms of uh, kind of like how does the schedule make sense. So none of the games for next week were scheduled when the season started. Every team in the league is going to play two times next week. The teams that are that made the in-season tournament quarterfinals will have a game on Tuesday or Wednesday. It's eight teams, so uh, there will be four games, two on Tuesday, two on Wednesday. Everybody that didn't make the quarterfinals plays on Thursday? No. Or is it Monday? Monday, Tuesday. Sorry. Monday, Tuesday are the quarters. And then everybody that didn't play Monday, Tuesday, didn't make the quarters, plays on Wednesday. The teams that won their quarterfinal battle go to Vegas and have a game on Thursday. So there's two games again on Thursday. Everybody that didn't play on Thursday plays on Friday. And then the finals are over the weekend. And everybody else gets the day off. That game doesn't count towards fantasy. It doesn't count towards uh, the the real record of teams either. Okay, that part's not that hard to follow. What is a little bit hard to follow is how how the schedule gets created. So the NBA created a schedule where the teams had 80 games on the books, meaning they played all the teams in their own division four times. They played teams in the opposite conference twice. So that's 30 opposite conference games and I think 16, if I'm getting that right, divisional games. You're at 46, meaning there's 30. In this case, normally there'd be 36 other games to schedule among the remaining 10 teams. 
in this particular case, there is uh, only 34. So there's going to be this blend of three or four games against the other teams in your own conference. That's how it generally is. And typically there's more four-game battles than three-game battles because of just, you know, you, you got four, uh, 29 opponents to play against 15 of them. You're only going to go twice, and so blah, blah, blah. You guys can do the math on that. That part I know I have right. The problem now is that if you end up playing a team in your own conference, there's a chance you're going to end up playing them five times instead of four. And on top of that, the team you play, so this is for the teams that qualified, those are going to be teams that play against other, presumably, good teams an extra one or even two times. Like, say, for instance, so the West uh, in-season tournament is the Lakers, the Suns play each other um, on Tuesday. The other battle there is the Pelicans and the Kings, I believe. So, you know, let's say the, the Kings and the Lakers get through it. Those teams already had four games on the schedule, too. Because schedule makers were not going to just randomly leave out a game against a divisional opponent. The Pacific Division teams are going to play themselves four times. I'm pretty sure I didn't check this for every single team in every division. But, like, if you go to the Lakers, Suns, uh, like, what games are they going to see each other this year? They've already played a couple of times. Trying to figure out where the... uh, Forget the preseason game. Lakers beat the Suns on October 26th uh, and then beat them in Phoenix in an in-season tournament game on November 10th. So they've already played twice. They're going to play uh, on Tuesday. So that's the next one. Where does this go after that? Uh, let's see. They play on Tuesday, and then they play on January 11th and January or February 25th. So someone was asking me on Twitter, they were like, well, the, the league is already scheduled out. They know that like, like there's time to build in these games. Yeah, that's not what I'm talking about. My thought is, okay, these teams are trying to win these games. They want to go to the quarterfinals. They want to try to win 500 grand for their teammates. The Lakers could end up playing two of the better teams in the NBA five times this year. And I don't know who that ends up like. I didn't deep dive the Lakers schedule. It's just the one I picked out because I knew they had already played the Suns a couple of times. But do the Lakers play the Spurs only three times so far this season? I don't know. I didn't look it up, but the Spurs are bad. Uh, and there are a couple other teams in the Western Conference that are also kind of bad. And I get it. The West is a pretty loaded conference overall. But the point I'm trying to make on this is you may be getting rewarded by having one extra home game uh, in the quarterfinals before a neutral site semifinal game. But you might also be getting punished by having to play two of the best teams in your own conference five times. By the way, that's bad. And miss out on playing, I don't know, the Blazers or the Grizzlies or the Jazz or the Spurs. You only play those teams three times? That's tough. That I mean, that could be the difference between making a playoff spot versus play-in or a play-in versus missing the playoffs altogether. Think about if you were a team that was the 10 seed and you're in a dead heat like with the 11 seed and the 9 seed and you guys are all fighting for the play-in spot in the last two games of the year. And you look back and you're like, damn it, you know, in late November, my team made the play or made the, the NBA Cup and we had 10 games against two of the top five teams in the Western Conference and 
the teams we're fighting for only had six. And I get it. This happens. You know, the NFL deals with that kind of crap every year. But typically, the NBA doesn't. So this does create a weird little advantage for a team having a good record on the NBA Cup days, but actually missing the quarter and semifinals because then those teams, the remaining 22 teams that don't play Monday or Tuesday, are going to all play each other. And yeah, there are some decent teams mixed in there, like the Mavericks didn't make it, the Nuggets didn't make it. You might get, you might draw the short straw and have to play the Mavericks or the Nuggets in your makeup game on Wednesday or Friday, but you might also draw the good straw, the long straw. You might end up with an extra game against the Pistons next week. You might end up playing the Pistons five times this year. What if you're the Hawks fighting for the 10 seed right now and you end up with five games against the Pistons? You don't think that helps? So I think that's something that the NBA might want to look into a little bit. You guys are saying the music is still going? I actually can't hear it. I'll turn that off. Sorry, guys. I thought I had, I thought I had turned that off completely, but apparently I messed it up. Um, you guys are all yelling at me now. My bad, everybody. My bad. It was off. I turned my, my music off in my headset. I, I, the problem with, with StreamYard is that I bring the music down on my soundboard, but it still pipes through. Godforsaken thing. That's going to be annoying for folks watching after the fact. Sorry about that, everybody. I thought the song had ended. That's when I tried to start talking. Son of a gun. Ah, well. Anyway, I think that's something the NBA might want to look into. Just, like, you're rewarding. There's a there's a financial reward for the teams that make it, that actually win it. But, like, what if you just make the quarterfinals and have to play an extra game against a really good team? Something to think about. You guys are saying it's still playing. That's impossible. I've stopped it. I've hit the pause button. I don't know what's going on here. StreamYard is out of control today. All right, let's just mute it. That way, even if it says it's off, there's no way it's going now, right? Unbelievable. <sighs> Fighting with technology today. All right, anyway, so that's my thought. I didn't talk about any fantasy stuff, so you guys yelling at me over the music. You guys are, uh, you only miss me screaming about NBA Cup having some things that are maybe good or bad with it. Unfortunately, I can't fix that after the fact either. Womp womp. All right, let's talk some fantasy sports. You guys have waited long enough on this one. And away we go. Yesterday, we'll roll through this thing. Um, Toronto, there's really nothing. I'd like to say there's something, but there's nothing other than OG Ananobi continuing to struggle. And he continues to be, I think, a, a pretty obvious buy low candidate. He's now outside the top 120. This is just not going to stick. He's shooting 60% at the free throw line. Uh, his steals are under one. A lot of things that are going to get better for him, and we should capitalize. So go get him. You can probably get him cheaper now than you could before. Brooklyn. Spencer Dinwiddie is cooking right now. It sounds like Cam Thomas is getting closer, and I do think that he puts a pretty fat dent into whatever Dinwiddie's doing because Dinwiddie's stuff right now is due to the fact that he's basically grabbed the highest usage role on the team. Uh, he didn't shoot the ball well at all, but he made all 10 of his free throws. And basically, he's a play. He kind of has to be a play right now while he's rolling hot. Um, Nick Claxton's back. That's good. Cam Johnson's back. That's good. A lot of good stuff going on there. Royce O'Neal had a giant game, but you certainly can't believe that that's going to stick long term. Typically, when Claxton and Ben Simmons are out, that's what we've seen with this Nets team. That's when O'Neal and Dorian Finney-Smith can be played on the Roto side. Right now, with just Ben Simmons and also Cam Thomas out, you could probably look at those guys as schedule-level plays. 
But at the moment, there really aren't any teams that have a particularly interesting schedule because we're about to roll into this weird NBA Cup thing, and uh, that's kind of where I'd leave that one as it lies. Charlotte, not surprisingly, got destroyed by the Knicks. No LaMelo Ball for what they revealed yesterday is likely to be a more extended absence, and that's kind of what we thought was going to happen anyway. Uh, So, you know, um, how did we prep for that? There ain't a whole lot you could do. I think we need to hold on to Gordon Hayward a little bit longer. I know I've been saying that for like a week, and he hasn't snapped out of this funk. I just find it hard to believe that he's not going to have something to do while LaMelo Ball is out. It would blow me away if he didn't step up and do something. Anything's possible. I don't think it's a shoe-in, but I'm going to give Gordon Hayward at least another week to see how this goes, even if I leave him on my bench on the Roto side. Uh, because we'd feel kind of silly if he now sort of jumped back into what he was doing at the beginning of the year and he was on somebody else's team. Uh, Brandon Miller took 18 more shots. Some of that was blowout-related. Some of it is just the fact that he's sort of launching right now. I think while he's launching, you can probably play him. Just understand that this is not a thing that's guaranteed to last long-term. You're going to see the ebb and flow of a rookie, as we've already seen with him the first five and a half weeks this year. It's going to keep going. Uh, But again, while he's just out there firing away, you kind of want to make sure that he's a play for you at the moment. On the Knicks side, I know I'm moving a little bit fast today, but, you know, we did the early show. We're doing this back-to-back thing. So I don't don't want to spend too much time on stuff that isn't sort of game-changing level. So uh, yesterday I said I was finally done paying attention to whether or not Josh Hart was getting close to 30 minutes. And then Josh Hart came out and basically spoke uh, to the media. Basically, he was like, look, I, I, I feel like I'm not involved on the offensive side, is what he said. And I don't know if that was the impetus for him getting a few extra minutes in this game or if it was just like R.J. Barrett wasn't shooting as well. So Hart got a couple extra bonus minutes and shots. But he had he did more stuff. And so now I'm back in on paying attention. I don't think you need to add Josh Hart after one good ball game, after three or four kind of clunky ones in a row. But I think at the very least we need to be paying attention to Hart after this one good ball game. Because if that him coming out and just saying, like, hey, wait a minute, like why am I playing 24, 25 minutes? I'm supposed to be a 30-minute guy. I want to be handling the basketball a little bit more. Maybe that does something. It feels more like this sort of short-term burst and then fade but at the very least we can pay attention to it and then Julius Randle who we had on the buy low board yesterday uh I think probably surprised all of you because you guys know me I'm not a big Julius Randle fantasy game fan but like he was so bad it was unbelievable they he was so awful that we simply couldn't like We basically just had to assume that it would get a little bit better. There was no way that it wasn't going to get a little bit better. And that's why I said this is a guy that might be able to do something that, like, you get points, boards, and assists for possibly a later round pick. I thought we'd have more than, like, two hours to execute on that buy low, but eh, it is what it is. And so, anyway, you go from there. Atlanta got blown out by the Cavaliers, and I think you're going to see Atlanta suffer a little bit without Jalen Johnson. He was a big part of what they were doing. They're fine. I mean, the Hawks are not going to, like, turn into total pumpkins, but they're going to need to figure out how to bridge this gap a tad, 
And my thought is that Sadiq Bey is the immediate ad. Folks are asking me if I prefer Sadiq Bey or DeAndre Hunter. It's Bey uh, because he hits more threes and he gets more steals. And with Hunter, we know he runs extraordinarily hot and extraordinarily cold. And, I mean, we got a pretty good game out of Bay even in this one. 14 points, four boards, three assists, two steals, two three-pointers. I'd like to see him take a couple more shots than eight in 32 minutes, but his fantasy game does translate better than Hunter's, and so that's why I think Bay is probably going to be decent enough for the foreseeable future. Folks, picture this nightmare scenario. You're hosting friends for the big game. It's neck and neck in the fourth quarter, and suddenly you realize you're out of drinks. Ooh, say all of your friends. You start to sweat. Your friends turn on you. You're forced to go on a last-second drink run and end up missing the game-winning touchdown while in line. Oh, no. Terrifying, isn't it? Luckily, you can avoid the drama with Drizzly, the go-to app for drink delivery. With Drizzly, you can shop a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your watch party. Compare prices across multiple stores in your area, find the best deals on game day drinks, and get back to armchair quarterbacking from, you guessed it, your armchair. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com today. Must be 21 plus, not available in all locations. Cavs, there was really nothing. I mean, all of you that keep expecting Max Struess to uh, not play well, he keeps playing well. It was another good game for him. Assists were weirdly high in this one for Max. He's showing no signs of slowing down and we're, you know, more than a fifth of the way into the season. I mentioned on a couple of shows recently and then also on social, uh, Karis LeVert has been downgraded officially in my book. Not health-wise, his health is fine, but fantasy-wise, he's been downgraded to basically a streamer-level guy only. I sort of wondered if he could continue uh, a mildly efficient run he was putting together earlier this year, and and now we have our answer, which is no, not really. Uh, Not when both Garland and Donovan Mitchell are healthy and especially not when those guys are playing relatively well. Uh, Also, big game out of Evan Mobley, even with Jared Allen around. That's a good sign for him. Uh, He's been solid so far this year, and we can just kind of keep on moving. Chicago's a mess, man. Like, they got to pull the plug, and they got to do it fast because the season is spiraling the drain. There's kind of no reason to continue trotting these guys out there. This was the big fear, stagnation syndrome. It has set in. Zach Levine's dealing with a sore foot. It doesn't matter. Uh, There hasn't been really any change to my feeling on what to do about the Bulls, which is you kind of have to stash Kobe White because if they trade Zach Levine and or DeMar DeRozan, he becomes very interesting. Patrick Williams has been playing better lately, and perhaps some of that is because he's sort of sniffing a bigger job when things get blown to smithereens. Patrick Williams has the better fantasy game, believe it or not, between he and Kobe White. White has the safer uh, interim fantasy game because he can go out there and he can sort of make a couple of buckets. But if Patrick Williams suddenly gets a chance to go take 11, 12, 13 shots a ball game, meaning like these other guys get jettisoned out of town, then you're talking about points, boards, steals, blocks, threes, field goal percent, 
free throw percent. Like, there's it's an across-the-board kind of dude. He's a harder player to stash because we could have a game where he basically just does nothing. Uh, but at the same time, I mean, you could make an argument to stash both of these guys if you think the Bulls' blow-up is not in the too-distant future. I just I have no idea how they continue to put this off. And the beauty of Patrick Williams is that he is not heavily rostered. Only 31%. You can get him in almost, like, a lot of Yahoo leagues. Um, I wouldn't play him. I know he's had, like, two-ish decent ball games here. Maybe you could argue, like, three out of four. He's not been great over this stretch by any means, but... Again, he's like, like all these Bulls guys just ready to step up and do some more stuff. We already talked about Caruso earlier. And frankly, I'd love for the big guys on this team to get traded because they'll be reinvigorated going somewhere else. That'll be good for them. Even if their role isn't quite as large, at least they'd have more fun doing it, and that's generally good. Al Horford, ladies and gentlemen. Al freaking Horford, ladies and gentlemen. What's not to love? My goodness. Ah, I do. All right, so look, he's obviously not a play all season long. Uh, but while Christoph Porzingis out is out, he's uh, he's a monster right now. Big Al. Fire him up, man. I'd like to talk about him for the next 15 minutes, but I think all you need to say is that he is a beautiful Porzingis fill-in. And he had effectively one of the best roto games we've seen almost from anybody all year last night with six out of eight shooting from the field including four three-pointers 16 points nine boards six assists two steals three blocks that's a colossal basketball game i can dig it let's keep moving milwaukee beat miami in a nice juicy high scoring game that actually started off really low scoring believe it or not Dame is working his way up the board. That's been fine. Malik Beasley's been on this crazy heater here, but it reminds me all too much of the uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. heater. We know it's not going to last forever. You can play it while it's going. That's okay. I've actually fallen into this trap in the past on this very show of saying, ah, you know, like we know this isn't going to last, so, and then just write it off. But like, short-term heaters are fine. Malik Beasley's been number 90 in 9-cat this year, thanks to the fact that over the last two weeks he's run in top 50. But there's going to be a stretch coming up where he's probably outside the top 200 when the three-pointer completely disappears. But he's super confident right now. Shots are dropping. He's grabbing rebounds. He's so happy to be out there playing. So just roll with it. It's okay. You're probably going to end up catching him on a really bad night. And when that happens, you can be like, oh boy, here it comes. And then you can back off. But right now, playing him while he's hot is an okay strategy. Some of you guys have asked me about a sell high on Brooke Lopez. I mean, yeah, obviously, if you can do it, you do it. But I don't think you're going to get anyone inside the top 50 back for him. And I actually think he is going to be inside the top 50 this year. So what's the point? Miami was without Jimmy Butler again. And when he sits, and Tyler Hero also... Basically, every other guard and wing descends upon fantasy value like vultures. Kyle Lowry, big games right now. Play him. Aime Haquez, big games. Play him. Josh Richardson, having big games. You can play him. 
Duncan Robinson missed some free throws. That kind of screwed up why he's listed lower on the board yesterday, but typically having big games with no Tyler Hero, play him too. It's crazy, by the way, that two guys being out for Miami basically means that like four dudes get above the cup line, the cut line, but that's kind of been the way it's going for this team because they're doing it in different ways. Lowry does it with threes and assists and some steals. I know he hit some shots yesterday. Hakez has been more the across-the-board guy with some boards and defensive stats. Richardson is more the threes and some points and a few assists kind of guy. And then Robinson is all three-pointers with a couple of blocks and boards mixed in. It's like Butler and Hero left these things on the table, and a bunch of guys that were in the one like 125 to 170 range were all like, okay, I'm going to pick this, and you take some of that, and you get that thing that they left behind, and I'll take a few of those shots, and give me a couple of them assists. And they all just, they took exactly what they needed to to all descend on top 100. Honestly, it's one of the craziest fill-in moments that I think I've ever seen. Typically, you don't see one guy go out and like three guys come in. But that's like kind of what happened here. Two guys went out and four guys came in. And somehow they all made it. But you took two guys out that were top 40 or better and you replace them with four guys that are, like, rolling top 80 to top 100. It's crazy, but it's fun. Cool little footnote on this fantasy season. I have no notes on the Oklahoma City Thunder, although we did get word uh, earlier this morning that uh, the Newport Beach Police Department has indeed opened an investigation into Josh Giddy. Wait and see. You really can't do anything else on that one. Uh, Jalen Williams... Keep buying low, man. Like, this isn't going to last forever. The unbelievable price on him right now. Hey, Rudy Gobert had a good ball game. He'd been kind of falling off a cliff the last few weeks. This pushed him back up into that kind of 80 range. And I'm actually okay with that. If you wanted to trade for Gobert, eh, you probably couldn't get him anyway. Uh, more important notes on this ball game. Anthony Edwards left early. Um, he's a tough nut. Hip injuries are kind of funny, but he's also super young, so we'll see. I, I don't know that he actually misses any time. But if he does, it'd be good to get that one game kind of filed in the Rolodex. Who would take his starting spot? Slow-mo? Shake Milton? Hard to know. Uh, the guy that ended up having a better ball game yesterday was Nas Reed, who got off to a very fast start this year and then cooled. If he happens to get on any kind of little run here, you're going to want to be a part of that. Uh, but mostly the note on this team is, does Anthony Edwards miss any time? Because if he does, someone's going to step into a big, fat, juicy clump of value, and we probably want to be there to grab him. Houston-Dallas, not a whole lot of fantasy stuff on this one. Houston is relatively predictable fantasy-wise. Van Vliet is slowly working his way up the board. Alperin Shengun is putting up these colossal popcorn number games. And he's taken a huge step forward. I, honestly, defensively, I've been very impressed with Shangun more than anything. Uh, Jabari Smith has been rolling warm lately. That's good news. And then uh, Jalen Green continues to be a god-awful nine-cap player and uh, points league guy only. There's really sort of... Houston, for the big numbers they're putting up, which is fun, like day-to-day -day fantasy, there really isn't anything to talk about with that team because there aren't any ads or drops. Bump, bump. Derek Lively's back for the Mavs. Get him on your roster, especially with him playing 28 minutes. That's a great sign. If he's in the 25-plus zone, that probably gets him inside the top 100. Make sure he wasn't dropped while he was hurt. Add him up. Throw him in. Get him going. Have some fun. That's it, by the way, on the Mavs side. Nothing else.
And then the Warriors blew a 20-some-odd point lead in this game to the Kings. And uh, if you're you know watching along with us, you can see all the red on the Warriors' side. Multiple mid-game injuries. Chris Paul left uh, very early in the game with leg soreness. That's some old man crap right there. And, you know, part of what you deal with when you draft an old man team. Hopefully he'll be back in the not-too-distant future. I'm guessing he misses a game or two because, you know, he's old. And then Gary Payton hurt his calf. Uh, that's that's usually a couple of weeks. We'll see what the uh, the deal is there. That's actually a big loss for the Warriors because he's one of their better defenders, maybe their best defender, uh, certainly outside of Draymond Green. And you know, they get one guy back and lose two others. It's kind of a tough way to operate. Good news, at least on the Warriors' side, is indeed they do have Draymond back, so you can fire him up. Uh, Andrew Wiggins had easily his best game of the season last night. He was confident. He was attacking. He wasn't settling for whack jumpers. He was sort of going at smaller dudes. Maybe that wakes him up. He had one good ball game like a week and a half ago, and then he went right back to sleep. Hard to know, but I will say this. Take one poke around your league to see if somebody got sick and tired of Wiggins' BS and dropped him. Uh, He is available in one league that I'm in. Which, again, like it seems insane, but his roster ship dropped under 70% before this big game yesterday. So there's sort of no guarantee that he's rostered. He might have been dropped. Seems nuts, but it did happen in some spots. Clay Thompson, kind of the same story. I don't think he was dropped in as many spots as Wiggins just because he's Clay and he was still hitting three pointers. He's still almost 90% rostered, but you can take one peak there as well. Again, less likely on that one. But again, if Wiggins is out there, you got to pick him up on the chance that this is the ballgame that woke him up. Because if it did, you know, very rarely do you have like a top 90 guy that's just sitting on the waiver wire. And we know that Wiggins can be that over a full season because he's done it, you know, 12 times or whatever. Not surprisingly, Dario Scharch basically disappeared with Draymond back. Kevon Looney actually played a bunch of minutes in this one, but uh, that's sort of a big fat who cares. And then as far as the Kings go, Malik Monk was the hero. And every once in a while, he gets to be the hero. And the rest of the time, they limit him to like 19, 20 minutes. I just, I don't get it. So I know you guys hear me talk about how I don't think Malik Monk is a full season nine cat guy. But so far this year, he hasn't been. That's not me saying he shouldn't be. I think you guys sometimes conflate is and should. I would love for Malik Monk to get more than 24 minutes a game consistently. He just hasn't when Darren Fox has been healthy so far. I don't know what to tell you. Like, that's just the way it's been. Here, he was their savior, and so he played more, and he won the game. He had scored... He. Did their last two shots to win it, basically, including a game-winning, wacky, fading bank shot from near the free-throw line. But even with that, like, 21 points and really not much else. And that's kind of been the problem with Monk. He's had games where he's assisted pretty well. He's had a couple of games where he scored a little better. There just hasn't been a game or a a week or two weeks or whatever where he's kind of put it all together. And unfortunately, that's probably going to be the case going forward because he's... There just sort of isn't room for him to play 28, 29 minutes a night. Not unless somebody gets dinged up. Uh, Darren Fox played 40 minutes, had a brutal free throw shooting game. And again, like this is some of the drop-off we expected to see with him. There's going to be 
Little games like this where you don't even really notice it because the scoring is great or something is great, and you're like, oh, everything seems fine. But then over time, those things take their toll. They slowly move him down the board back to where we knew he would be after the extraordinarily hot start. He's still going to be a fun player to own. That's another thing that's tough for fantasy analysts that have to talk all the time. When we talk about a guy like dropping off, that doesn't mean we think they're going to be bad. It just means that we didn't believe the small sample we saw. You guys are smart, though. I'm going to give you guys a lot of credit. You guys know what I'm talking about. Uh, Kevin Herter got back on the good side. He runs hot and cold. He's one of the streakier players in the NBA. Technically, to this point, he's been a start, so keep starting him. He's number 80 in 9-cat. Some of that is because he's under one turnover a night. Uh, If you're punting turnovers, he drops outside of the top 100, but I'm not. Um, And he's sort of a quietly medium-productive plodding along type dude uh, who doesn't hurt you in that category. And that's okay. I like it. I know, like, everybody seems to want to punt turnovers, but then if everybody's doing it, then is there any real advantage to doing it anymore? And plus, I play a lot of Roto. I think there's an advantage to trying to be decent in that category. Yeah, the teams that give up in you know, early March, they're going to be the top two or three in turnovers. But if you can get nine points in that category in Roto, where another team is is steamrolling along with all these high turnover guys, you're going to get a seven, eight, nine point bounce on someone that way. That's a big deal on the Roto side. You can't just give up on it, especially if like just punting turnovers doesn't guarantee you're good in all the other categories. That's the other thing. You may end up bad in another one, so you don't want to be bad in two. I'm getting sidetracked by this thing. Let's keep rumbling along. Again, please do take a moment to like, rate, and subscribe as I navigate to the uh, medium-sized Wednesday. Can I talk about how much I love the fact that this week is just, like, all medium-sized cards? That brings me incredible joy. Like a nice, solid, medium-level effort from day one on. God, it's a beautiful thing. I don't have to do a 14-game recap one day and then just nobody's paying attention the next night. This is way better. By the way, if I keep moving quickly, we'll probably have some time for a few questions. So, you know, just saying. All right, what are we looking for tonight? There's a few things on the docket. We can't ignore everything in this one. What do we got coming up this evening? Some enchanted evening. Uh, Cam Reddish. Sounds like he's back for the Lakers. That'll be useful. Uh, They'll probably put him on Cade Cunningham. Speaking of needing their sort of wing defender slash corner three-point shooter all that uh, a little more. You might even see some Torian Prince on him as well. Because uh, I don't think the Lakers are going to trust that anybody else in the Pistons is going to hurt him all that much. Because really, who is? But they can't take this game lightly. Pistons have lost a lot of games in a row. They're going to be pissed. They're the pissed ons. Reminds me of a Married with Children reference. Uh, on the Pistons side, you know, it's all about breaking the streak. Jaden Ivey is also worth paying attention to. He's played well lately, uh, but he's also shot over his head, so you got to think that's going to come down. Wizards going against one of the best defenses in the NBA. Can they keep it close? So, uh, like falling into my microphone in disgust at how few Wizards games are actually competitive in the late fourth quarter. But that's all we want out of them. Magic... Do we bother with the center thing? Like, it seemed like it was going to be Goga, and then it wasn't for two games in a row. 
technically he's actually been a nine cat play for the full season to this point. And even in the last game where he only played 20 minutes, he still had 11 and seven, but you know, he didn't block the shots that we wanted to. I think you could probably keep streaming Goga. It's very borderline though. Also Cole Anthony almost forgot. He's been lava hot lately. How long can that last? We would hope forever, but I also doubt it. Suns, we're just waiting on a health report on uh, Kevin Durant. He's questionable, as far as I know, and then that would trickle down to whether or not you play a guy like an Eric Gordon. That's kind of it. Raptors, nothing. Jazz, I think we know Larry Markinen's out for at least a couple more ball games. That means Simona Fontecchio has been getting the starts for them, but it really, he's more of a placeholder. Um, so you just get sort of more stuff for the other usage guys like Jordan Clarkson if he plays, Kante George, and then also the Walker-Kessler ramp-up. People keep asking me, what do I think about Omar Yurtsevin? What I think about him is that he's probably going to be the reserve in the next couple of games. So, nope. Grizzlies, how low will Jaron Jackson Jr. fall this year before the bottom finally hits? Because right now, I like, Honest to goodness, if I had more time in my day, I would spend like a solid 40 minutes just trying to trade for him in almost every league because you can buy so incredibly low right now. Someone spent a late second round pick on this dude that's definitely getting frustrated and not feeling like waiting it out and starting to believe that this is just going to be it all year. You can probably get him for somebody that you drafted like four rounds deeper. Try to do it. Take some time and try to do it. That could totally change the fortunes of your fantasy team in the next, I don't know, month or whatever. By the way, I'm still playing Santi Aldana. I haven't given up on him yet. Sixers, the only question there is whether or not we're streaming Nick Batum. Uh, I probably will. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, Pelican, CJ McCollum is back. That's really good news. I probably should have started the show with breaking news stuff. That's the breaking news. CJ McCollum is back. Um, only missed about three, three and a half weeks, which is about half of the time he missed. If you recall the last time he dealt from a uh, small pneumothorax during his time in Portland. So that's really good. That's going to make the Pelicans a whole hell of a lot better because they have the sort of guy that they wanted to orchestrate their offense now back in the mix. I would expect the Pelicans, once they reintegrate him, to uh, put together a couple of little winning spells. Don't know if it's going to start tonight. Sixers are a very good opponent. Uh, but this is good for the Pels. It's bad for Dyson Daniels and Jordan Hawkins, who had different types of value. Those guys likely mostly disappear, uh, as does any chance we have of hoping for a Jose Alvarado experience. Move on! Houston, nothing. Unless you want to talk about, like, Freddie Van Vliet very slowly moving his way up the board. Remember uh, two weeks ago, he was, like, number 52, and I said, buy low. And then last week, he was, like, number 49, and I said, buy low. He's number 45 now. I don't think I've ever seen somebody move up the board as slowly as Freddie Van Vliet is. Uh, I still think he probably ends up about a round higher than he is right now. Uh, but how he gets there, I mean, you want to talk about baby steps. Nuggets, it's all going to come down to health. Aaron Gordon, Jamal Murray is close. Nikola Jokic, I would think, goes, but I don't think we know for sure yet. 
Uh, and then you make your call on if you're going to bother rolling anybody out there on the stream side. Clippers, I think I'm giving up on Norman Powell. He looked like kind of an interesting gunner, but if his minutes are not even guaranteed to hit 23-24, that's probably not going to be enough for him. I think, by the way, and um, a couple of Clippers games against the Spurs ruined my constant, I was sort of beating the drum hard over and over again that I thought a lot of the Clippers were going to be in buy low territory and then they played the Spurs who just don't defend anybody and so everybody put up these big lines and and I thought maybe that was getting ruined uh but I think you're going to get these these buy low opportunities on the Clippers still yet because as you saw with their loss against a bad a weird zombie nuggets team they, they still haven't fully figured this thing out And the Kings, you want to talk about a letdown game. Let's see if Sacramento can get up for this one. I'd be pretty impressed. I don't want to say floored, because, again, anything's possible. But Sacramento put their whole ass into yesterday's comeback against Golden State. This has, like, all the makings of a, oh, can we get back up again today? Luckily for the Kings, the Clippers are terrible these days. Uh, but if you're wondering why the Clippers are a two-point road favorite, that's why. We'll see. I don't have a whole lot that I'm watching with the Kings other than whether or not Keegan Murray plays. But, I mean, that is relevant. Um, I also, and I don't know when the right time is to talk about this, but it is worth noting that now that we know the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and most of the Friday schedule for next week, you should start looking at your streaming charts and figure out if you can kind of get a jump on the games happening next week. Does that make sense? Uh, I'll try to be a little bit clearer about this. So um, we now know that Boston, Indiana, New Orleans, and Sacramento are playing Monday. We now know that the Knicks, the Bucks, the Suns, and the Lakers are playing on Tuesday. We didn't know that until late last night. Now we do. Wednesday and Friday are going to be big-time overload days. And there will be an extra team going on Friday that we don't know about yet. But those are going to be huge overload days with all the teams that aren't playing Monday, Tuesday, or Thursday. Those days, you won't need to do anything. So basically what you should be doing is, as this week gets closer to the end, and maybe you don't have to do it today because it's still Wednesday and, and you still have today, tomorrow, and Friday to kind of get into the streaming mode. But as you get towards the end of this week, maybe call it Friday... See if you can get the jump on grabbing some players that go Monday or Tuesday of next week, or Monday, I guess, and then use a bunch more moves on Tuesday. Because you're not going to need to use any moves on Wednesday or Friday. You're going to be using all your moves on Tuesday and Thursday. And if you can use some moves that set you up for Monday this week, you can get like a three, four, five game advantage over your opponent who might not be thinking that far ahead. And they're going to get stuck with all their players going on these overload days. And you're going to max out the extraordinarily low traffic days before, by the way, you get to a weekend where nobody plays. None of the games count for fantasy, Saturday or Sunday. The uh, IST, they call it, the in-season tournament. That's how the cool kids are saying it. That finals game doesn't count. Okay? This is, this is like extraordinarily important stuff for streaming. Because most leagues are treating next week as its own individual week. Then everybody comes back and plays on Monday of the following one. But, like, most fantasy teams are only going to have about 22 games played next week. So if you can turn your 22 into a 26, that's a huge games advantage. 
That's like a 20% jump over your opponent. You are very unlikely to lose with a 20% games advantage. All right, let's do a few questions before we wrap up our sort of two-for-Tuesday here. Uh, is Buddy Heald still a must-roster in 12-team points leagues? My answer to that is yes. Um, I know his last ball game as a starter was not as good. Overall, since he's moved into the starting lineup, he is top 25 in nine-category leagues. Yeah, he's shooting 57%, so that's not going to stick. Uh, but his minutes are about 29 per game as a starter. Um and yes, the last one was lower. Uh, Pacers were kind of... Mick, Rick Carlisle was doing his mix-and-match crap. But we know from last year that Buddy Heald, as a starter, ran top 50. That's not a guarantee that he'll be back there again this season, but it is a sort of upper crust, and just you're not finding anybody like that on the waiver wire. So, yes. What are your thoughts on Jason Tatum this year? Seems like you don't see him as a first-rounder this year. I just traded away Scotty Barnes and Tobias Harris for Tatum and Jalen Williams. Is that a good trade? Yeah, I actually like that trade because I think Tatum ends ahead of Scotty Barnes when the season's over. Uh, Jalen Williams, Tobias Harris, they are probably going to be somewhat close to one another. So um, maybe, you know, call that one a wash. Um I think Tatum gets back probably towards the end of the first round. It's just, it, it's like, it's not a guarantee, you know? Um, his steals are, I guess, the same as last year. Blocks are down from 0.6 to 0.3. And then the free throw is normally 85. Right now it's at 80 and a half. Everything else is fairly repeatable for him, although I might even argue the field goal percent could come down a tad. My issue is not necessarily that Tatum's doing anything wrong. It's just that the top of the board is now harder to be a part of. Booker is in there on his hot start. He wasn't expected to be a mid-first. Spida is in there on his hot start. These guys could taper off. Luka still shooting 77% at the free throw line, so that hasn't completely ruined him yet. Tyrese Maxey still in the top 10. Chet Holmgren, Lowry Markinen are in the top 12 right now. So, you know, it's not that Tatum needs to do a bunch of things better. Free throw percent should come up. And that would move him up a few spots on the board. And then if blocks come up, that'll move him up one or two more spots. The issue for Tatum is just that all these other guys are insane. Like, dude, Steph Curry is not in the first round right now. How is that possible? He's at 30 points and over five three-pointers a game. And he's number 13. The top of the board is just playing frickin' pinball. So there's nothing wrong with Jason Tatum. It's just that it's harder to be a top 10 player now than it was even as recently as last year. Uh, some of these questions are about my music choice, which, again, I, I very much effed up at the beginning of this show. Uh, what is a fair price for OG or Jalen Williams? I did a show on this, actually. Go back and watch the Buy Low show. I'm not going to rehash this one. Sorry, Timothy. Uh, but go watch the Buy Low show from... Last week, I think? Is Buddy Heald and Ivica Zubac enough for OG and Anobi? That's worth a try. You know, only the person who owns OG in your league knows for sure. Uh, Dan, who would you rather have rest of season? Cam Johnson or OG and Anobi? Uh, I'm going to go Cam. Would you sit OG and Tyus Jones tonight in a Roto League? I'd be more inclined to sit Tyus Jones because they're playing a really good defensive team and that game could get ugly. But also, every time I get kind of weird with my... If I get cute with my benches, I screw it up. So take it with a grain of salt. Who do you think finishes higher 
nine cat, Bam Adebayo or Carl Anthony Towns? I think you're kind of splitting hairs a little bit there. Bam is 19. Cat is 28. Bam's uh, blocks and steals are a little high right now. His scoring is way up, although it doesn't look like that's coming down anytime soon. Cat is probably about what he's going to be in the mid-20s. So I guess the question is, do you think Bam slides back into the mid-20s? I think the answer is probably... They may end up within one slot of each other. How about that for an answer? I think they end up tied this year. I think they end up as like 25 and 26. How about that? There's my ballsy call. Uh... What do you think of this trade, Dan? Desmond Bain and Osar Thompson for Trey Young and Onyeka Okongwu. Uh, I guess it's fair. Like, probably prefer the Trey side for when Ja comes back, but that's fair. Should I trade Miles Bridges for DeJounte Murray in points league? I think the answer to that is yes in any league, actually. Mostly because I'd rather win without Miles Bridges. So if you can get a player that you can more easily root for and feel good about and is also probably going to be as good or better. Yeah, absolutely. Get DeJounte. With CJ McCollum coming back, do I drop Jalen Suggs, DeAnthony Melton, Mike Conley, or Shannon? Not Shannon. It's Shaden Sharp for the rest of the season. Uh, Shaden's the drop. He's not a he's not a particularly strong 9-cat guy right now. Should I drop CP3 for Herb Jones? This would seemingly be a uh, shallower league, and the answer there is... Probably. Would my Jakob Pertle for Ananobi be a decent get? Um, No, that's the thing. So Pertle is also a guy who's been sort of steadily moving up the board. He's top 50 over the last two weeks. Um, and it's pretty repeatable stuff for him, other than the field goal percent being at like 80% instead of 65 uh, I think there's actually a reasonable chance that Pirtle and OG end up almost right next to each other. Um, so, no, I, th I think I would try to... Pirtle's a guy I'd rather get these days than sell. Tyus Jones or Chris Middleton rest of season? The uh, Middleton, I guess. It came back from this Achilles thing. Oh, God, it's gross. Either way, it's gross. Wizards can't play competitive games. Middleton is an injury wreck. This is like, do you want to barf or do you want to have diarrhea? Your choices today. I guess I'll go Middleton since at least, like, they're trying to get him ramped up. Oof, this is rough. If we want to trade for DeJounte Murray, what range of players should we try to get? Well, he's been bad over the last two weeks, so that probably makes it a little easier. I think you could get him for someone in the 45 to 50 range, which is where he's ranked right now. Uh, would you, though, is the question. Uh, a lot of the guys that I would try to sell there are hurt right now. DeAndre Ayton would be an interesting one to try to sell on. Um, James Hart. No, I wouldn't do that. Um, someone just said Miles Bridges in the chat room. That's not a bad one. Uh, boo -boo -doo -boo -doo -boo -doo. I feel like Aiton is the perfect one. Because the other guys around DeJounte Murray, I think, are also kind of headed up. Like, I'd rather have Freddie Van Vliet. I'd 
rather have Jalen Brunson. Ah, they're close, I guess. Maybe Alperin Shengun? Most people that have him probably don't want to give him up because you got these giant points, boards, and assists coming in there. I don't know. There aren't that many choices, unfortunately. I think Aiton's probably the best pairing. Almost time to wrap it up, guys. We're not going to get through all of these. Can I do a show on buy low for OG? I did. I did it last week. Harden and Onyeko Kongwu for JJJ. You shouldn't even need both of them. Like, Harden would be more than enough, and I don't think I would sell on him right now either. Harden's a buy low. You're giving away a buy low for a buy low. Jeremy Grant for JJJ. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I think I, that's a, I think I kind of like that one. Jalen Duran or Alperin Shengun head to head. Well, this really depends on what stat you're looking for. It's probably Shengun, um, but if you're hunting field goal percent, boards and assist or uh, and blocks, Duran will have a little bit of an advantage there. But Shengun's going to annihilate him in points and assists. Um, and so again, it really depends on what stats you're hunting. They're within about a round of each other right now. Shengun's in front, so it's probably Alperin. Um, but again, there's a little bit of a stat hunting element, especially now that we get kind of towards the middle of the year. All right, I'm doing three more, and I'll do them in chronological order so you guys don't think I'm trying to screw anybody. Mark Williams and Ja for Kyrie Irving. Yes, give me Kyrie. Is Fontecchio worth a stream? Or should I go Killian Hayes? Yikes! Yeah, go Fontecchio there. Killian Hayes basically isn't playing right now. Do you think it's stupid to bench JJJ and Roto until he plays better or keep rolling him out there? He's killing my field goal percent. I think I'm going to keep rolling him out there. Um, I know it's been bad, but like there are other worse field goal percent guys on the board. And chances of JJJ doing something mega. Oh, look, there's only a couple questions left, so let's just keep going. Thoughts on Trey Murphy? Uh, well, McCollum's back now, so this will be interesting. I do want to see if there's enough there for him with the Pels, like, effectively healthy right now. It's kind of amazing. So I'd stash him and see how it goes, but I am i don't think there's a guarantee. Mediterranean food or Korean barbecue? Ooh. I'll go Mediterranean food. I'm a, I'm, I'm a sucker for, uh, I'm a sucker for a good shawarma. What can I say? Also, hummus is delicious. Korean barbecue is good, though. That's a tough one. Please rate Kawhi, Trey Young, DeJounte Murray, rest of season. Um, Nine cat. It's uh, That's the order you've got it. Kawhi over Trey over DeJounte. Now, again, if you are assist hunting, you know you go Trey. Um, the one that feels pretty obvious is that DeJounte is behind the other guys. All right, we're done. Oh, Keontae or Suggs? It's Jalen Suggs. All right, everybody, thanks for watching both shows today. I need to rest my voice. I'm going to go do something else. I'm going to eat a golden Oreo because they're freaking delicious. Um, like, rate, subscribe, and start planning your streaming board for next week. That's my best advice at the end of this one. I'm also, I think, or at least lately I've been trying to do a better job of answering questions that pop up in the YouTube deal uh, after the show. So if you have comments that you want to throw in that didn't make the live chat, feel free to pop them in there. I get email alerts, and then at some point I try to get around to those as well. Um, but again, please do. If there's anybody new watching, please subscribe. That's the big thing for us here at uh, Sports Ethos. 
and go find me over on social at Dan Bespris. I'll see you guys on Twitter. Later for now.